Hey, all you intrepid architects out there. If you believe design can change the world, then you've found your humans here on this show, Architecting. My name is Angela Mazzi, and I'm an architect and career coach who's figured out how to live my passion while claiming a successful architecture career and lifestyle. This show is about the architect as a person and will help you bypass the status quo traps in our profession while teaching you how to make an impact in your career. We need to stand in our power as architects and use our skills to make great places. If you're with me, let's get architecting. It's hard to juggle everything and work 60 hours a week. It's just not sustainable. So then women are leaving their profession. So I think asking for the money up front, like we were saying earlier, and then advocating for yourself each year, you have to be your own advocate and make sure you're staying connected and plugged in. Hey, Bright Lights, it's Angela here, and I'm really excited about today's guest because so many times when we think about, should I stay or should I go? I'm unhappy where I am. I don't know what to do. We think about updating our resume or maybe adding things to our portfolio. Maybe we even think about who we know that we could call and just make that move. But we don't really talk about strategically saying, what's next for me? And I think what you're going to appreciate in my talk today with Bryce Batts, who is a recruiter in the architecture profession, is what's changed about the job market? Because we are not going back to where we were two years ago. What does it mean to work in a post-COVID world and how should you best position yourself to get the job you love doing work that doesn't deplete you so you can really live your best life. So let's take a listen. Welcome everyone to Architecting and I am so excited today to have with us as our guest Bryce Batts who is a recruiter and career coach from Bryce Batts Coaching. Welcome Bryce. Thank you, Angela. I'm so excited to be here. A little bit about me. I have uh, over a decade of experience recruiting in the AEC industry, and I'm a certified career coach as well. I help women in the industry define their strengths and identify their weaknesses and help them get promoted or find a new position if that's what they're desiring and help them get an income uh, that they deserve. That is so needed. So I am glad you are out there and I'm glad that you really are focusing on needs, particularly of women, because I think they're a little bit different than men. Definitely. So I had some questions for you that are very much uh, related to our current job market, which is kind of unique from where we've been in past years where things were scarce. It's an employee's market now. And that can lead, though, to a little bit of desperation on the part of employers who need someone now for a project or a deadline and it overinflated wages. But does that also mean that there's going to be instability in the future? And what questions should people ask? What kind of things should be, they be aware of to make sure they're not getting lured into something that isn't really going to benefit them? 
That's a great question. I was working with a candidate recently, a client of mine who was moving from Maryland to Raleigh, and she's an architect and had six interviews with six different companies and money talks. Honestly, she had decided and ranked which company she was most interested in, but ended up going with the, the company that offered her the most money. So I think it's important to ask questions up front, as in, how did they handle uh, COVID last year? Did they make any layoffs? Did they have to uh, cut back on 401ks? Did they have a salary decrease um, or reduced hours? And then also ask how they handled 2008, when we saw a lot of architects leave the industry because of so many layoffs. So ask them how they handled that. You know, you want to know what stability the firm can offer. I also think Glassdoor is really great for reading uh, company reviews. And then just do some more digging. Are they a small, mid-sized, or large firm? Are you going to be just a number? What's their backlog like? You know, do they have, an, a, are they an established firm with a good backlog of work? And what are their projections for the next year? Um, what are their standard bonuses and raises? You know, if they ended up countering and giving you more money to bring you on board, are you still going to be eligible for a raise at the end of the year? Or when are they going to do that review? So lots of things to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in that vein, what are some of the most important non-salary things that women especially should be looking to negotiate? Yeah, I think it depends on what you value most, but I tell all of my clients, always negotiate. If you don't negotiate, then the, the company is going to say, well, probably could have gotten her for a little bit less. Instead, you want to let them know what your value is. So if you're somebody who likes to use all of your PTO, you may want to negotiate the, the time off that you have. Ask for an extra week or at least a couple more days. Um, do they offer flex hours? Obviously, lots of women are taking their kids to school in the morning, or maybe they're looking after an elderly parent. So do they offer flex hours? Is that something you can negotiate? Um, can you work from home remotely full time or even a hybrid schedule? And what does that look like? You want to make sure that they're not going to bring you in remotely at first and then decide they want you back in the office, because obviously that's going to put a kink in your schedule. And then make sure the career path is a clear one. You want to know that up front. You know, how long is it going to take for you to be promoted? And then do they reimburse tuition or continuing education? These are all things that you can negotiate when you're taking the job. It's best to ask all those questions up front, know exactly what you're getting into, and get it all in writing. Mm, yeah, that, that is a good point because people are most willing to do that when, the, when you don't work for them. Once they got you, it's a little easier for them to say no. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think that you, you also uh, brought up a great point. I love that you said if you don't negotiate, they question your worth. And that is something I always say as well. Um, if you don't think you're worth something, how do you expect other people to think that? So by asking for more money, it, it isn't even about the money, even though that's right. important as well. It's about how they perceive you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And like you said, right now, it's an employee's market. So ask, <laughs> why not? 
You know, the answer is always no if you don't ask, right? Exactly. So another thing that I just want to get your thoughts on are the whole idea of women leaving the profession. We know that they start out in practice at about the same rate as men, but we're seeing that they don't stay. And they're especially missing from the leadership roles in firms. And I just want to get some of your thoughts on what's the dynamic behind that and what advice might you give to encourage people to stick with it and to pursue those leadership positions? Yeah, I think when you're starting off as a young architect, you want to be a sponge. You want to ask lots of questions. Um, You want to make sure you know who leadership is and be in constant communication with them. You know, average salaries for men are higher than women. Uh, based on years of experience, you know, average starting pay, and I read this on um, ourconnect.com, it says average pay is probably a discrepancy of a few thousand dollars when you begin, but then it grows wider to almost 15%. And again, so I think in architecture, a lot of men and women leave because of pay, because of the hours, but women, especially because things are starting to shift, but women typically, you know, have to do more things at home. They bear the brunt of all the responsibilities with the kids. It's hard to juggle everything and work 60 hours a week. It's just not sustainable. So then women are leaving the profession. So I think asking for the money up front, like we were saying earlier, and then advocating for yourself each year, you have to be your own advocate and make sure you're staying connected and plugged in. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important to be your own advocate. And a lot of people don't, they think that people see them and will automatically read the tea leaves and understand and recommend and usher them down a career path, but that isn't how it works. Exactly. And not to vilify men, there's great men out there. And I think you can um, you know, try to find one or two that will really be a cheerleader for you and advocate for you as well and and make sure your voice is getting heard. Yeah, absolutely. And I think finding mentors is is really important because it gives you a sounding board, but it also gives you a little bit of a template to follow. Right, definitely. Another common question that a lot of people have is how do you move ahead if you're only able to work part-time? Some women have found themselves needing or wanting to take a career pause maybe for a few months or even a few years, but then it's a little bit tougher to have the right skill set to reenter the workforce. I was just working with a client of mine on something very similar where she took a couple years off. She was a single mom. She had to take some time off to be with her kids. And when she went back in, she took a a role that was a little bit different within the firm. So I think number one, if you're going to step away and come back, you have to be open to a slightly different opportunity. Maybe you're not going to go back into the same exact position that you left. Um, but I also think just staying plugged in, make sure you're networking. That's the most important thing. So even if you decide to work part-time, keep talking to leadership, keep going to those industry events, make sure you're talking to other people within the industry. 
You don't want them to forget who you are. And I cannot stress enough how important networking is, whether it's via LinkedIn or just picking up the phone and calling people, uh, taking them out for coffee or dinner, or whatever it may be, seeing them at your kid's soccer game, but just making sure you're staying front of mind. And then if you're going to work part-time, you want to, you want the employer to be really clear on you and the employer to be really clear on what those hours are, what the expectations are, and make sure you're adding value and exceeding expectations, even in a part-time capacity. Yeah. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, they feel stuck that if they hold the boundary of I'm only working 30 or 32 hours, that they don't look like a team player, but it's so easy for those 32 hours to quickly become 40. Mm -hmm. And now you're not getting paid for that effort. Right. And maybe the benefits would have been different if you were a full-time employee. So I think really setting those expectations on the front end, uh, take courses, do whatever you need to do while you're working part-time, but just make sure you're staying up on all of your skills. Or if you were to step away, take a, a course in Revit or whatever it may be, just to stay up on your skills. So if someone has not done that and they, they've stepped away and now they're saying, oh, what do I do? What would you tell them? Yeah, I would say you're not starting over. You've got your past skills and abilities. You're just starting again. So start talking to those people, talk to the firms that you want to work for. If you can get a referral, that'd be great. Someone to, you know, plug your name, uh, give you a good reference and say, I know her, I know the work she's done. Maybe she hasn't been in the industry the last couple of years, but she's coming back. Someone to advocate for you again, and then show them what you can do. And again, it, maybe you have to take a little bit of a pay decrease, but will you have a review at the end of the year or after 90 days? Can you sit down and reevaluate? Hey, if I've done a good job, or if I've gotten this certification, what are my chances for a raise here or a bonus? Yeah, yeah. So it goes back to that whole negotiation discussion yeah. and being really clear on what, what you're looking for. Yeah. So let's kind of go to the other end of the spectrum. Um, we talked about fighting to be in the world of architecture firms and have a career path there. But what if you're saying, you know, I don't want to do that. What advice do you have if someone's looking for an alternate career path? How do they even know what's out there? And how do they keep their architecture skill set relevant as they look at other career options? Sure. Um, like we were saying earlier, men and women end up leaving the profession because of pay, lack of promotions uh, or lack of opportunity, professional development, you know, they're looking for meaningful work and maybe they're not finding it in architecture anymore. So I really think it starts with getting quiet and doing some soul searching to decide what you want to do next. And when I'm working with a client, I have them ask themselves some uh, very specific questions. You know, what skills do you have that are transferable? So what skills have you developed that you could use within a different industry? You know, what do you love to do? What really makes your heart sing? What do you want to do on a daily basis? Or what have you always dreamt of doing? You know, obviously, I think those seeds are planted for a reason. So what keeps coming up that you would like to do? 
Um, what do other people say you're super fantastic at, whether it's friends, family, your boss, coworkers, like always asking you to do this particular thing because you excel at it. Um, you know, what courses have you dreamed about taking? Obviously there's some interest there. Um, and if you didn't have to worry about taking a pay cut or what other people thought about you, what would you do? Oh, I love that. I love that because you're, you're looking for the clues, right? And what, what is my heart-led mission? What do I love? And that it's okay to align with your passions, even if that doesn't look the way somebody else thinks it should. Exactly. And I just think no experience is wasted. So you can always use those things and those skills that you've developed earlier in life. Definitely. Um, I don't know if you've heard this from some of your clients. One of the things that I've experienced going to school was there was a point around the second year where I could feel my brain shifted and I knew I would never be able to see the world the same way again. I had a different perspective now and that would always be with me no matter what I did. I didn't have to be an architect to see the world through that lens. Right. I think that's so interesting because things will shift and you're going to see the world a new way as you learn more, as you grow as a person, and then you can use those, that, that knowledge and experience moving forward. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Bryce. Um, So I also wanted to get your thoughts on remote working, something we've all had, uh, you know, got thrown into the pool to sink or swim on in the last 18 months, but aspects of it are sticking. People are starting to realize that physically being present isn't necessarily required. Mm -hmm. But what are the pros and cons of that? And how do you participate in company culture if you're not physically in an office? Yeah, well, I can tell you it was a huge roller coaster for me. I've always worked from home, but then uh, my husband, who's a landscape architect, he started working from home. We had to put him in our laundry room. So he has this big drafting table. He said, I need a door that will close. So he got stuck in the laundry room. The kids were doing school from home. So I think we all had to adapt and we're still adapting. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens long-term with remote work and how that uh, comes into play. I can tell you with the great resignation you know, one in four people are looking to leave their jobs. And a lot of them that I've spoken with and research shows that they're leaving because, you know, they did get quiet during this, during COVID last year, figured out what they really wanted and they want more flexibility. They want more work-life balance. So I definitely think if we're not going to be fully remote, firms are going to have to look at the hybrid work. Um, I think organizations have to adapt, um, to this massive remote work experience and kind of reinvent their processes and touchstones so that does align with their culture. You know, there are challenges, as you mentioned, staying plugged in, you know, maybe as a leader, you pick up the phone more often and call your people who are working from home. Maybe you have virtual happy hours. So from a leadership perspective, they have to stay in touch with their employees but the employees have to do that too. The employees need to be picking up the phone 
obviously you're going to see each other over teams. Maybe they're messaging, messaging each other on Slack or whatever tool they use, but constant communication is really going to be key. You know, asking the right questions, staying plugged in. So you are staying visible to leadership. And then if there are in-person meetings, occasionally showing up for those, but just always asking the right questions and really staying in touch. Yeah, that, that is great insight. This idea that you would consciously communicate, but not necessarily only about work. Mm-hmm. So that it starts to mirror the experience of being in the office where you have just Oh my God, today, this morning was so crazy. And this is why I'm 10 minutes late. You know, we don't have those conversations when we're only having scheduled project meetings on Zoom. Exactly. And obviously everyone has Zoom fatigue. So thinking of other ways that you can connect as well, keeping it fun. And that's up to the organization too. They've got to be agile. They, you know, have got to reinvent how they're going to keep their employees connected and and stay in touch with everyone. Yeah, yeah. And I I personally kind of welcome the phone conversations. It's a relief Mm. to me not to have to be on screen. Right. Maybe you can throw your hair in a ponytail, (laughs) put on your sweats and just talk over the phone occasionally. Yeah. And another great point that you made that I want to talk about a little bit more is this idea of feeling engaged and like you belong. So colleges and universities have been looking at this problem for years because it's a huge investment to recruit a freshman student. And yet a very high percentage don't return. They'll drop out or they just won't come back for their sophomore year. And when they look more closely into why, it was because that student just didn't click. They didn't resonate and feel a sense of belonging. So you'll see that universities have all stepped up their game in terms of how do we reach out to you? How do you not fall through the cracks? Um, Do you think that there'll be a similar thing going on in workplace? I do, because it's so easily, if you're working at home, it's so easy to disconnect from the company or to not feel a part of their culture. So I do think it's important for firms to maybe onboard in person or say for the first three months, we're going to be in the office three days a week or whatever that may look like before you go fully remote to try to get you ingrained in the culture And then like we were saying, just picking up the phone, having that constant communication. So they do feel like they're part of the group and they're being seen. They're not just out on an island at home alone. Like, no, you are part of this company. You are part of the culture. We see you. How can we help you? Yeah, I think those are great tips. And if you happen to maybe be the only person in your city working for a particular company, as that is happening more and more. How do you stay included then? Because you can't just drive into the office. No. And so I think then it's important to maybe occasionally, if you can get on a plane or drive, whatever that may look like, go to the company occasionally. You know, I think there has to be check-ins or maybe there's a company trip twice a year, something to keep you plugged in so you can, you know, be face-to-face with leadership and your coworkers. And then everybody goes back home again. (laughs) 
Yeah, so you, you've developed that bond then that makes it more meaningful then for the virtual communication. Exactly. And like you said, it doesn't always have to be from a professional aspect. Maybe it's a team building weekend that they're doing in person safely outside somewhere. Or, you know, maybe it's a company picnic where people from the region can come in for a full day. Something just to keep everybody connected. And so that company culture can really penetrate the entire company, whether they're remote or not. Yeah, that is a really great point. You know, that we can get more creative about what socializing looks like in the workplace. Bryce, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all of this really, really impactful information. Um, definitely got a lot of nuggets out of that, and I'm sure the listeners will too. How can we find you if people want to work with you more? Oh, sure. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Bryce Batts, B-R-Y-C-E-B-A-T-T-S. So I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Um, Instagram at Bryce Batts. And then I have a Facebook group as well. Uh, again, if you look up my name, you'll find me Bryce Batts Coaching. And I like to share lots of tidbits in the group about interviewing, uh, working on your resume, you know, job searching in general. Um, this has been super fun. I feel like we could talk a couple more hours about this. Definitely, definitely. And everyone in the audience, if you found this helpful, I know I did. Um, please show your appreciation for Bryce. Take a screenshot from any of the podcast cover or from any of the promo that we share in social media and tag Bryce. Let her know what you thought. Let her know what touched you in what she had to say. I know she would very much appreciate knowing that. I would love that. And I'd love to connect online as well. All right, great. Well, thank you again for being here. And um, just so the listeners know, Bryce and I are working on a workshop that we're kind of excited about. So stay tuned for that. And it is going to be all about this idea of working on your own terms. So we're, we're really excited to put that together and offer that to all of you. So stay tuned. Yes, to be continued. All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and you're thinking you'd like a little more insight on your work style after hearing Bryce talk, you can go to architectingpodcast.com and I have a free quiz available for you that you can get to right from the front page that asks you some really introspective questions about how you feel about different aspects of your work and then kind of gives you some insights into your work style and your work liabilities. So if you are looking for a little more insight, go ahead over to architectingpodcast.com and take the quiz right there on the homepage. I hope you enjoy it. Take care. Bye. Thanks for being part of this episode of Architecting. If you enjoyed the show, join our community on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn to keep up with what's in the show pipeline, including a behind-the-scenes look at my architecture lifestyle. Feel free to share your content ideas. Love to hear your feedback. 
You can also visit architectingpodcast.com to download free career content and learn about my classes, book, and coaching programs. Until next time, stay inspired. (laughs) 